podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Night fans, so sorry you missed the live show, but this replay is brought to you by Gordon and Partners. Gordon and Partners are dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who've been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice directly from somebody you trust, which in our case is Michael Hoffman, a UCF alum. Contact Michael directly at 407-913-5350 or visit the website fortheinjured.com. Don't just trust anybody. Trust a fellow knight. Trust Gordon and Partners for the injured. Hello, Night Nation. Trace Trelko here. This is the Sons of UCF Live. Let us welcome in Adam and the next speaker of the House of Representatives, UCF Mike. Hey, what's going on, guys? <laughs> you would you would kill that job, by the way, Mike. Yeah, you sure. know you don't have to be a sitting congressman to have the position. So, Mike, you get, you get your congressman I'm, to nominate you. We could see your mug. I'm free tomorrow if anybody needs me. I'm free. <laughs> I'm not interested. Not interested? Not interested. But I'll tell you what, perhaps the best live experience with you ice skating last week at Rockefeller Plaza. That was tremendous. Yeah, that was a good time, man. I enjoyed it. Um, I wish I was still on vacation because back to reality kind of sucks. But, was that a handheld uh, cam or was there a, a you know a selfie stick involved there? No, that was just my phone in my hand. Tremendous, tremendous work <laughs> by you on vacation. Love it, love it. All right, some uh, some breaking news late this afternoon. Uh, coaching, but not the one we're going to talk about extensively tonight. Head coach Gus Malzahn adds assistant head coach to Tim Harris Jr.'s title. He's also still co-offensive coordinator and running backs coach. So uh, Coach Malzahn making that announcement this Thursday afternoon. Of course, the big news, though, you guys talked about it. It was sort of breaking while you were recording your podcast. Former UCF quarterback, Darren Hinshaw. He's back home again, and he is now offensive coordinator for the Knights. Your reaction, guys? Yeah, it took me a minute to kind of warm up to the news, Trace. I think just like every fan out there, we had all had our delusions of grandeur that we'd have the next hot name out there. But I think the more you think about uh, this hire and kind of what we need, um, it checks a lot of boxes. He's a hometown guy. You could clearly tell how much he cares about UCF, how much he wants to be here, how much this is his dream job. I think the only reluctance I have in, in listening to the press conference I'm still not really sure if he ever called plays. Sounds like he was there when somebody was calling plays. I don't know if that was him or not. So that's really the only thing. I'm Are not you describing sure what about. it's going to be like next season? Uh, I don't. I don't know what I'm describing. That's the thing. I don't yeah. really know what I'm describing. Even as he tried to, and Jason Beatty, kudos to Jason for asking that question. Like, hey, when exactly have you called plays? It's kind of unclear to me when that actually was, but he's clearly fired up about the opportunity. Yeah, he's somebody who's going to be loyal and true to UCF. I like that Gus is willing to go outside of the, the coaching tree a little bit and find somebody. Obviously, he said all the right things at the press conference, like every coach does. We're going to be multiple. We're going to run the ball. We're going to go down the field. He said all the right things. I was a little lukewarm at first, but I'm open-minded to this. I'm going to give him an opportunity because the reality is if we had hired the hot name we all wanted, I have no guarantee that would have worked out. So I'm willing to give a chance to one of our own. I will say, though, if you looked at resume to resume and you hit the names on the top, I don't think a lot of people would pick Darren's resume over some of the other candidates. But, again, I'm willing to give him a, a chance here. I think, I think this could work out if, uh, you know, if everything falls in place. Everybody always talks about how they want Mackenzie Milton to be a coach in the future. Right. This guy is Mackenzie Milton 30 years ago. He was the best quarterback in program history until Dante came after him. And then Mackenzie came after him. But he was the guy. And now he here he is 30 years later and he's dying to be here in Orlando and he wants to be back. This is his dream job. Give him a chance. Four year starter, Mike, 91 to 94, 9000 passing yards, exactly 82 touchdowns. Welcome home. Of course, he was an analyst. He learned from one of the best and Mike Kruzik, a great offensive mind uh, for UCF some years back. Let's hear from assist, uh, offensive coordinator Darren Hinshaw now on his style of offense. You're going to see an offense that's going to be fast. We're going to be multiple tempo. We are going to have a hard nose physical run game. And we are going to throw the football down the field. 
very emphatic speaker. Hey, I really love that. I got a little concerned when he absolutely just emphasized the heck out of hard nose running attack. <laughs> he hit all the things there. I mean, he hit everything with triple options. Multiple, that, right? Multiple. They're going to be multiple. So, multiple tempo, not just multiple play, multiple tempo, fast, slow, medium, snail. I mean, there's a lot of options available to you there. Throw the ball down the field, not screen passes. We're not doing that crap anymore. Taking shots down the field. You got to like that. I would have liked it more if he winked at Gus after he said that, Mike. That, that would have won me over if he gave Gus a nice wink and uh, kept him moving. Of course, uh, if he's going to throw it downfield, who will be throwing it downfield? Will it be uh, John Rice Plumley, who's going to be moonlighting uh, with uh, Coach Lovelady in the baseball program this year? Uh, Coach Hinshaw asked about this, and uh, he spoke about the wide-open quarterback competition. You want competition in the room. You, you know, you don't set the depth chart before anybody does anything. And the one thing I, I learned that as a player, when I played here, every year they brought in a guy to take my job and, and transfers coming in and it made me better. And the biggest thing you want in that room is competition and it makes the room better. Mm, makes the room better. But of course, you can have a quarterback in John Rice Plumley. Not necessarily the heir apparent, the incumbent, right? It's it's his job to lose or, or what there? And, and and what does that room look like as spring camp uh, will be underway uh, in late February, early March there? Yeah, I like the concept of resetting the depth chart, right? You don't set the depth chart before you play it down. I like the concept of that. Here's what I, I'm really curious to find out, right? So in Darren's mind, he can absolutely reset the depth chart all he wants, right? But is he going to be allowed to make that decision? I think that's going to be the interesting part about this is, is he going to be allowed? How much, how much, you know, is this a 50, 50, you know, ownership? Is this a hundred percent Darren? Is it 60, 40 Gus? I think we have to understand that part. I do believe Darren, when he says he wants to reset, he wants to establish, he wants to evaluate, but how much influence will others have in that? He has, he has a co-offensive coordinator apparently, right? So how much influence will some of the other uh, decision makers have in that? How's he going to evaluate JRP if he's playing center field for the baseball team? I don't know. Does that hurt him? If he's coming in with a clean slate, he didn't, he wasn't here the year that JRP was here. He was here the year before that. So technically he hasn't really seen anything out of him. Um, that's going to be interesting. Does that give a leg up to Timmy McClain, Tommy? Maybe they get a little bit of an advantage coming out of spring camp. And of course, the big looming question is just how much influenced as head coach Gus Malzahn, who two years ago said he, he was going to call plays the rest of his career. Now he says, let's hear him, he's ready to turn the play calling over to Darren Henshaw. You know, I'm going to give up play calling. I'm going to be a head coach. In this day and time, I mean, I, I, I don't know how head coaches can be play callers. I mean, there's probably a few out there that can still pull it off, but there's more challenges than ever before. I'm really excited about the next step in my head coaching career, uh, spending time with our players, just overseeing our program. Hmm. He's going to start spending time with the players. He hadn't been doing that. No, I don't know. Adam, what do you make? Do you, do you believe it? Can, can he Can he let it go? And, you know, I like to channel Andy, uh, who does the X's and O's there. Is it really the play calling or is it maybe the execution of the plays and uh, maybe some of the talent executing those plays? It's always 50. I think with Gus, like it's not necessarily the play calling. I think there's twofold options with Gus. It's maybe the limited number of options available to you in the playbook. So a limited number of plays you can actually call. And I think it's his decision-making, right? I think sometimes it's, he has just these head scratching decisions that you don't understand why we'd run a third and two wing pass all the way to the outside of the field, instead of handing the thing off to Bowser and getting two yards, right? I think it's some of the decisions that maybe you take away from, from that standpoint. Do I believe Gus? I believe Gus as much as I believe somebody who woke up on January 1st and said, I'm never going to McDonald's again, right? It's true until it's not. So I, I feel like at this point, Gus absolutely woke up on January 1st and said, I'm not going to call another play in my life. And come March, he's going to have a clipboard in his hand, right? I believe that like I believe everybody out there who has all these New Year's resolutions, who by January 5th, half of you have already broken those. So I believe that as much as I believe Gus. My favorite part of Gus's press conference is when he kept saying, you know, it, it's very hard to call plays and manage the team and all that. And we, we were still top four or five in, in, in the country in <laughs> offense. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was a lot for me to handle. Yeah, he, he made sure to mention that bullet point. Well, I asked on uh, Twitter, at Seinpez on Twitter, your reaction to the hiring of Darren Hinshaw as offensive coordinator. Most people say, and they like it or love it, uh, there's the uh, J.P. Gilbert hate it crowd at 3%, and then some people just sort of indifferent. 
Uh, it is interesting, though, that they go with Darren Hinshaw's offensive coordinator and, and then the Addison Williams hire as a defensive coordinator. So going into this first season in the Big 12 with two new coordinators. Let's talk about this a little bit more. Friend of mine, a UCF alum, has been covering sports on ESPN for more than 25 years. Uh, Tom James uh, joins us now on uh, Sons of UCF Live. Tom, welcome in. Trace Trilco, better than with you. I'm not sure I heard all of that, but it's so good. good yeah, Tom, I, I'm not sure about your signal on your phone there. I didn't catch all of that, but Tom and I uh, were at WUCF. Tom uh, working the DJ booth, me in news, and we were there during Darren Hinshaw's tenure as quarterback. A night returns home, Tom. Hopefully your signal, you can hear me and you'll be able to answer there. Yeah, I can hear you guys 100%. How am I sounding on this end? You're sounding much better now. Uh, but but I do like Very the good. intro that you gave me there, the, the, the big Trace Trolko intro. What, what do you think? A guy can return home a night. Uh, he bleeds black and gold and now a dream job for Darren Hinshaw. Yeah, uh, 100%. And, I mean, it's not like he hasn't been back, uh, what, two other times as part of the coaching staff uh, at UCF. But I, I'm really excited to see. I, you know, we have a – uh, a kinship with Darren Henshaw. He was at UCF when we were at UCF. And uh, so we saw him throw for 9 million yards or maybe it was 9,000, but, but uh, he, he's got the offensive mind. I think this is a huge move for UCF. I think it's a huge move for Gus Malzahn. And I think it's a great uh, opportunity for John Rice Plumley for next year as well. Tom, do you believe that Gus Malzahn has called his last offensive play? Uh, you know, I, I like the McDonald's reference a minute ago. Uh, he, here's my thing with that. Uh, I agree with Gus Malzahn that it is harder to do it now. Uh, and just in the last few years with the NIL, there's just so many things floating around in your head as a head coach. Uh, so I, I'm with Gus on that. I know he's said this before and always come back to call and plays. But, you know, you got to delegate, especially now. And I think that uh, he's going to let – He's going to let Darren call the plays and he's going to kind of be the Yoda in the background whenever he needs to chime in. But yeah, I, I think Darren Henshaw is going to quickly, I, I'm very confident about this move, by the way, I, I'm pretty confident that Henshaw is going to pretty quickly prove that it, Gus doesn't need to be calling plays anymore. So I, I, that's how good I feel about, about Darren Henshaw. I mean, here's a guy who, uh, was involved in a, in a good rushing offense at Kentucky. He was good, involved in a good passing offense at Tennessee. So he's been part of staffs that can do both things. Um, he cares a lot about UCF. So he really wants this to work. I think this is the prime of his career, the prime of his life. He just turned 50. Uh, gotta like guys who just turned 50, by the way. So I, I think this is going to be a really, really strong and solid move for Gus and for UCF football. You know, forget about that stuff for a I minute. Mean, I want to get to the important stuff. We only have you for a couple of minutes. You were in school with Trace Choco at the same time. I need some good Trace stories. What's the best one you got? We'll tell you is that Trace and I were a part of a handful of hardened criminals who helped <laughs> launch the first ever student-run TV magazine show ever at UCF. So anybody who's come along since then are only following in our footsteps. Am I right, Trace? <laughs> yeah. I don't know about the cr the criminal part, but uh, yeah. Yeah, enterprising we were back then. I want to go back to something you said earlier, that you thought this was good for John Rice Plumley. How so? How can this move be good for him? Well, I mean, here, here's a kid who is going into his third year uh, as a quarterback, and, and I think that he has a big, big chance with the experience under his belt. He's got a lot of talent um, to really see his numbers spike in year three and the offensive coordinator is a former a guy who once had his job at UCF. And I, I just I feel like uh, th this could be a real match made in heaven for Plumley um, to have Henshaw come in, work with him, 
get him. You know, he's, we obviously know he's got the speed. He's got the great video game moves that he can do with his feet. He's got to air it out a little bit more. And I, I just, I have a feeling that, that Plumlee is the kind of kid that in year three can become a different level quarterback. I, and the fact that Henshaw is the guy to help take him there, I think it's a good match. It just feels right. All right, Tom, obviously UCF uh, now a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, a lot of change on the field with the transfer portal and, and people coming in, people coming out, new recruits, whatever. In your opinion, is UCF ready to compete in year one of the Big 12 where we sit right now? Well, you know, when you're in the Big 12, uh, there isn't much defense there. It's all about offense. Had UCF, think about this. Uh, they've got to step it up numbers-wise. Uh, if they were in the, the Big 12 this past season, I believe UCF averaged just over uh, 31 points a game this year. That would be eighth best in the Big 12 in 2022. Um, they don't play much defense in the Big 12. So, uh, you know, offense has got to it, it, really find an identity and and score more points i mean look we're we're in an era now of college football i don't care if it's the big 12 or or what conference you play in this is an era where defenses can't really stop anybody anymore let's just be honest about it i mean the you, you work to limit the damage and hold on for dear life in college football nick saban's even said it it it, it, it's it's a higher scoring era of football so if your offense is prolific if you've got a defense that can just kind of hold its own you will do well now in the big 12 everybody's got a good offense so uh they've got to they've got to be ready for that task you know at the next level now there's been some mixed reviews of gus malzahn over the first two years here you go way back you've seen every coach going back to gene mcdowell how would you rank him among all ucf coaches and you think he's the guy for the future here in the big 12 well, he's a guy that had success uh, in a Power Five league um, and with a Power Five team. You know, listen, Auburn, tough place to coach. You're always going to be little brother in that state. Um, UCF, a different animal. Um, you know, fertile ground for recruiting for UCF. I, I think that this opportunity – to 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 move up into a power five conference is, is a great opportunity for for coach Malzahn. Um, I you know I, I feel like it's it's too early to say <laughs> whether whether he is gonna be a, a, a massive success or not in, in the Big 12. Um, but but I, I think that you know there have been the wins they've happened as much as we've seen uh, in, in recent years with 2017 and, and those kinds of years that, that everybody thinks about and, and wants to be back to, we're not there right now. That is true. UCF is not there right now. Um, but, but it, it's, you know, I, I feel like that, that he seems to be making the, the choices and the decisions a la bringing in Henshaw um, that is pushing this program in the right direction. And Tom, let's wrap up with this. Let's go back to Darren Henshaw, a four-year starter. We talk about the changing face of college football. Can you even imagine uh, a guy now four years as a starter and he racked up all of those records back there in the early 90s? Yeah, he did. Again, 9,000 yards. I think he's, what, third all-time in passing yards still uh, at, at UCF. But, but uh, yeah, from 91 to 94, he was the starting quarterback. Here's a kid, by the way, Henshaw was almost became a, he was almost a Florida Gator. I, I think he was recruited by Galen Hall at Florida and uh, changed his mind late when Coach Spurrier came in um, and, and came to UCF. And of course, Gene McDowell was pretty darn lucky to have him. But, but here he's going to have a guy in Plumlee who's about to be a three-year starter. So uh, that's why I think that this could be a really big and promising and exciting year uh, for Plumlee. Tom James, UCF alum, ESPN broadcaster, friend of mine. Thanks for being with us on Sons of UCF Live. Always, my friend. My pleasure. Thanks, All right. Tom. Thank you, Tom. Four-year starter, guys. It's, it's hard to picture that nowadays in, in college football at the quarterback position. 
Yeah, I mean, it's almost unheard of at this day, right? I mean, we, we've seen quarterbacks move every day, it seems like. Um, you know, a guy like Sam Hartman, who played four years at Wake Forest, is going to grab a fifth year at Notre Dame. Um, I think those days are long gone. McKenzie almost did it. If it wasn't for the injury, uh, he, he didn't start his first day as a freshman, but he started a lot of the freshman year, and then, you know, he would have been the starter for his, four, his fourth year if he stuck around. Well, let's continue this conversation about Darren Hinshaw with a guy who may know a thing or two about him. He's Tyson Hinshaw, former UCF wide receiver and younger brother of Darren. Tyson, welcome into Sons of UCF Live. Thanks. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. I imagine these are proud moments now for the uh, the entire Hinshaw family to see uh, Darren come home again. Oh, yeah. Um, couldn't be more proud of him. Um, been a long journey and I've enjoyed it along the way for sure, um, all the stops, but uh, this one's a special one for sure. And uh, being, being home at UCF where kind of everything started a long time ago, is it's special and uh, looking forward to seeing all the good things that come out of it. You mentioned several stops along the way. Why is he now the best choice for this job? Oh gosh, do I, am I putting on my agent hat, my brother hat? What am I doing here? Um, so look, Dar I think Darren is, is experienced a lot of different things in a lot of different places. So I kind of mentioned it a little bit on his press conference on throwing the ball, running the ball. Um, and I think um, I, I learned one thing from Gene Chizik a long time ago. He's a, I still talk to him from time to time. And he had told me uh, when he bounced around, one of the things – when he went to Iowa State, if you remember, he he didn't do great necessarily at Iowa State, but he got the Auburn job after that. But because he went to Iowa State and got that experience, it made him better at Auburn. And I think that would be true for Darren too, similar, right? So he's he's had his different experiences at different places, um, coached under defensive-minded coaches, uh, probably more than offensive minded. So I know he's, he's thrilled about that being, being under, under Gus and, and more of an offensive mindset. But um, I, I think those experiences are going to make him better than it would have five, 10 years ago, for example. So um, th that's probably would be my answer to that. Tyson, obviously you have a unique perspective, you know, Darren's your brother, you've got a chance to grow up around him, see him a lot, watch him play. He also coached you for a little bit of time when, when you were at UCF, what kind of coach is UCF getting for a UCF player who's listening to this right now, describe what they're going to get in coach Darren Hinshaw. They're going to get somebody that cares about them. Um, and I know that's, you know, you hear that from time to time where, you know, do, do the, players coach, if you will, or they care about the, the players. Some coaches care about um, winning. I mean, everybody cares about winning, but some coaches care about that over maybe the player. He, he's very much cent centralized on the player. And I think when, when you do that, um, and, and I was fortunate to have a lot of coaches like that as well. I mean, Sean Becton was one, Kruzik was one. They, they, they really did care about you as a person. And, and when you, when you, when you believe that, I think you play harder. I think you play better. Uh, Chiswick is another one that I would have run through a wall for. Um, those type of guys, when, when you're around them, and it, it, it becomes um, contagious and, and it's exciting. I think, I think they're going to feel his passion. Uh, he's a high-energy guy, and I don't, I don't think you can have enough high-energy folks um, on your staff, and I think he's going to uh, – you know, put a little spark in, in some folks steps over there. And um, I'm excited about it. I think, I think he's doing a great job. I think, I think that's what I would say most, if I was a player, you know, you're going to get somebody that cares about you and, and really wants to help develop you and, and grow you as a football player and a human being. What's your brother like on game day? Are you able to call him in the morning and kind of mess with him a little bit or go over a little bit of the game plan or is he strictly business? Leave me alone. I always do get the first play that, that that's my first question. I'd seen the first play, um, but um, he's, you know, he's focused. That's probably the best way to say it. Um, the night games are always tough because you sit around and, you know, you've got the breaks and you watch some college football, but um, I would say he gets um, um, balance throughout the day and starts to get that excitement starts to get going and juices start to get flowing as you get closer to the game. And then he's ready to go. He's, 
he's such a great um, game planner, if you will, during the week. I think, um, you know, doing that work and what he does with taking uh, everybody's advice and listening to everybody and ultimately formulating a game plan that everyone believes in. And, and when you get everyone believing in it, kids are believing in it, you know, you, you feel like you're going into every game and you can win um, uh, when you've got great game plans. And to me, as a, as a play caller that, you know, yes, you, you call the play on, on Saturday, but it's, it's really the work you put in during the week in the game plan that's listed right there and boom, you call it and it's at the right time, et cetera. So um, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's a, uh, a timed, um, energized person. I would say, I'd say he's excited and, and gets ready, gets jacked up when the time's right, but he, you obviously can't do that all day. You'd be worn out. So uh, he tries to get a nap in there. I think sometimes too, in those late games. It certainly feels like he won the press conference. He talked about when he was quarterback at UCF, he always had competition and he talked about there's going to be competition. It's good for everybody in that quarterback room. How do you handicap what this quarterback room looks like? Now you have the uh, starter from the previous season and John Rice Bumley is going to be moonlighting with baseball uh, in just a few yeah. weeks. And that adds a dynamic to things as uh, spring camp will open for UCF football. I, I, um, I, I don't think I, it would be right for me to handicap it. I have, Honestly, I have no idea how – I think, obviously, we've got some great players there. And John, John Rice Plumlee's an incredible athlete. Um, I, I'm excited to see what Darren can do with him, actually. Um, I, think, I think there's a lot of positive things he can do in, in his offense. And, and, um, and, and you know what? The other thing is, let, let's not forget, I mean, Gus did a phenomenal job. I, he, he's, he we had a fantastic offense. We did some awesome things. He's he's a legend in that in that right. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it's not it's we're not recreating the wheel, if you will. Right. We're not we're, we're just going to be changed. You know, he's probably going to be changing some things. Obviously, it's going to be his terminology and that type of stuff. But um, overall, it's it's still football. And um, it, I think it's going to be great having Gus. I'm sure he's be chiming in plenty. Right. And uh, and um, helping uh, ultimately what how it formulates. But um you know, who's going to play, who's going to start, who's going to, who knows, but let's get to spring and see how things shake out. Um, and I, I think from my understanding is, is, is Plumlee will be there in spring. Um, I'm not sure how much or how that's going to play out with baseball, but I think he will be there as much as possible. So I, I think, I think we'll, we'll get a good, good view of him during spring practice for sure. Well, Tyson, obviously, I know you're a UCF alum. You're also a fan. I know you watch a ton of UCF football. And obviously, you know what your brother likes to do offensively. So how do you think a Darren Hiddenshaw-led offense will differ from a Gus Malzahn-led offense? Um, I think that's a good question. Um, only because I don't want to speak for him. But Darren likes to throw the ball vertically down the field. He likes throwing posts. He likes – letting kids go out and make plays uh, down the field. And I think that helps open up the run game. Um, it has, um, uh, I've seen it happen for him. It, Cincinnati was a great example. And, you know, he took some quarterbacks there that weren't, you know, unbelievable quarterbacks. They weren't highly rated and they did some pretty awesome things there, uh, throwing the ball down the field, uh, running it, um, I think everybody wants to see the pass, but they, 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 people need to realize you got to be able to run the ball. If you don't run the ball, it doesn't matter how great you are throwing it. It's, it's not going to end well, typically um, you got to be able to run the ball. So I, I think it'll open up the run game, but again, you know, we had a great offense here. You know, I think there, you know, a few games we struggled, but overall, I think you're going to see s some, different sets. I think you'll see a little different motion. I think you'll see things more down the field, vertical passing games, what I would say. Growing up together, I'm sure you guys competed in a lot of stuff, you know, one-on-one -on -one basketball or something like that. You being the little brother, is there something you can do to kind of get under his skin maybe? Or, or... Oh. Uh, in, in what, in anything specific or no, just anything, just anything. Yeah. I, I would say golf more than anything. Um, I'm five years younger than him. So like, yeah, when I was a senior at Lake Mary, he was a senior at UCF. And um, I think we probably started, you know, competing against each other when um, uh, 
probably late in high school. And that's when really started getting close. We, we were separated far enough that, you know, he had, he did his thing. I was doing my thing. And, you know, our world started to kind of collide later in, in my high school time. And, and we've, we compete on the golf course a lot and typically I win there. So, uh, um, I, uh, I, I, I can, I can say the right things at the right time for him and, and, um, it works out. I've, I mean, I've always been better at him in that, so it works, but if we were throwing a 10 yard out, he would kick my tail on that. But, uh, um, other than that, you know, not till, uh, I got into college did we really start playing basketball and, and, and throwing the ball. We did some aired out tournaments and things, which was great. It actually helped me a lot with receiving cause he was throwing it to me, but, uh, um, he, he, he's a phenomenal athlete. Just I kick his tail in golf, and I always tell him about that. Can he still throw? You think he can still? How, oh, how I think he can still, still spin it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I've I've seen him. He can, he, he can still sling it around, shockingly. Well, Darren, of course, played in the early 90s. You in the late 90s, and now UCF on the verge of entering the Big 12. How does that feel uh, that the oh. Knights are getting ready to play at this level? You know, it's 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 surreal. It's it, it's it's awesome. It's not just that we're playing at that level. It's just it's the folks we're going to be playing. I think when I was playing, we 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 were dying to play these type of teams. And you know, I think the these kids coming in don't realize the how lucky they are that they get to play against some of these top teams that, quite frankly, wouldn't play us. Um, in their minds, they had nothing to win. Uh, it was a lose lose for them. And if we competed in uh, um, beat them, which we did from time to time. It, it was a devastating thing for them. And, and every time they played UCF, they, they'd get a fight. Um, so I, I think that the folks coming in are the, those kids are just, they're so lucky to get to play these teams in in these awesome environments. And, um, and I think we've got the opportunity to make a splash there. It's it's a tough league and, uh, it's going to be fun to see it's, you know, probably get our nose bloodied here and there. We'll see, you know, hopefully not who think, who knows, right. Nobody really knows. It's going to be an interesting thing. It's just exciting. I think for everybody, for the program, just to see it go to the next level is, is exciting. And, and the playoffs now and, and all of that, that's going to the opportunity, right. It's that opportunity now that exists that, I mean, back when we were independent, we had slim to zero opportunity, even in some cases, bowl games were hard to get in. And then you know, went to the MAC and did all those things. But I mean, the opportunity in front of these kids to come to UCF in Orlando—Are you kidding? And and play some play right away and and get to compete against the, these these teams. It's 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 just exciting, and I, I can't wait to watch it. Tyson, I wouldn't be doing my job around here if I didn't give you the opportunity to at least make fun of your brother, right? So <laughs> we here at the Suns UCF, we focus on the important things uh, of, of these transactions. And a lot of fans on social media, we try to be the, the voice of the fan. We're, we're talking a little bit about your brother's attire uh, for the press conference. Two specific items I'd like to get your feedback on, maybe give you an opportunity to talk to your brother about. That jacket looks like it may be four to five sizes, a tad too large for, for Darren. Do you have, can you give me any insight on the jacket selection for the press conference? You know what I'd say is I, I, he's actually – it's because he's lost some weight, and, that, and that's part of the problem, I think. I, I don't think he's gone back out and, and addressed his wardrobe. You know, coaches – I think where, you know, he's got suits, I think, that fit him a little bit better in sport jackets. But I think if I remember right, he had khakis on in sport jackets. So I don't think he's gone back out there and uh, re-upped in that. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to have to help him there, right? I, I need to get him fitted for some, okay. some sport coats. We, we, I mean, this – look, it, it worked for, for the day, but we're, we're, we're going to clean him up and, 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 and get some better fitted jackets for sure. But uh, we, we appreciate um, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Item number two, um, the the UCF pin placement on the lapel. I don't know if you noticed, but just a little bit north of that pin, Darren, there's a little uh, little buttonhole there where you can just put the pin right on through there. It seems like he went right through the fabric on the on the yeah. lapel pin. Can you give me some insight there? I don't know. You know, I I'd love to. I'll have to ask him who did that. So uh, I'd like to think he did it right. It's on him, but maybe the jacket was off. Who knows? But yeah, it goes up there in that little spot that you're supposed to put pins in. I think right. Yeah. Yeah. Just two good, important right? follow-ups. It's yeah. all part of it. Yeah. He didn't have the yeah. pin on, I think originally. So he must, 
who knows how early he got it before that. Were you able Only to join him? Were you able to be there, Dan? Were you able to join him for this for this day at the you, press conference? You know, I saw him. Um, I hugged on him um, when he came into town. I talked to him. He drove in. Gosh, he, he drove in late the night before he stayed in Tifton. It was like 1.30. I was still talking to him, and uh, he slept for about three or four hours and got up and trucked on down and it was kind of funny I was talking to him on the phone and and uh he's like I forgot about the Orlando traffic gosh and, you know he got caught in some traffic there was an accident so it delayed him a little bit but uh I hugged on him unfortunately I, I I had to do something with my son at that same time so I I could I couldn't be there I I or I totally would have for sure uh it was a special moment and um I know he was thrilled and 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 excited and you know nervous and yeah, uh, you know, anxious and all of those things combined, right? I mean, it, it, it's a, it, I think he, you saw how his passion come out. And um, I think that uh, uh, I look forward to his next one. I'm sure his next conference will be a little bit calmer. I, I'm going to, I've been asking him to, you know, you, you know, the microphone will get you up here. You don't have to get down here or you can adjust. <laughs> so I, and, and it's, it, that's the first thing I said to him. And he goes, ah, I knew you were going to crush me on that. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, just having fun with them. Now you have two more items in addition yeah. to the microphone you can talk to about. Tyson Hinshaw, thanks for being with us on Suns View CF Live. Congratulations to Darren and your family on this. Thank, thank you. Thanks, guys, for thanks, all you Tyson. do. Take care. Go Knights. Uh, thanks, Tyson. Let's charge on. Adam with the, uh, the hard hitting questions. Uh, in I mean, people want to know. Yeah. Vertical attack. Yeah. Running. I mean, the suit jacket just looks a little large again. I'm, maybe that's this thing. And the pin was really a thing. There's a, there's a, there's an easy spot for it. I don't know. Mike, uh, a lot of talk now about quarterback throwing down field and uh, like finding those wide receivers. Uh, we're going to have to see a market improvement from John Rice Plumley in that department. If he were to emerge as starting quarterback in 23 and be successful in what we're hearing is Darren Hinshaw's offense. If, He's the starting quarterback. Like he said, it's a wide open competition. If he can't hit those passes, he doesn't fit the offense. There you go. There you go. Some other news and notes. Uh, football, former UCF quarterback Ryan Schneider, Florida Dairy Farmers 2S Coach of the Year, led Coco High to the state championship. I exchanged uh, messages with him last night, and he likes the Darren Hinshaw hire, and that's coming from a guy who knows a thing or two about quarterback play and Ryan Schneider. On three, it's a good follow on social media. They list the most transfers in so far this college uh, football uh, portal season. UCF with 10, trailing only Arizona State with 19. Colorado, they have a, a coach you may have heard on, and Neon Dion at 15, and Michigan State at 13. And uh, Rashard Causey Jr., UCF DB, signs with the CFL's Edmonton Elks. Uh, he spent last season with the USFL's Tampa Bay Bandits. So a couple other news and notes. I'm still used to them being the Edmonton Eskimos. I kind of missed where they uh, renamed themselves the Edmonton Elks. Um, men's basketball, UCF gets the road win uh, last night at East Carolina. And a lot of that came on the shoulders, Adam, of C.J. Kelly, 30 of the 64 points uh, for the Knights. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I lovingly talked about his Darius, Darius Perryitis uh, in some games, but we needed all of that and more last night. A tough road win uh, against ECU. Never, not always a great team, but always a weird place to play. So um, you definitely felt good about them grinding out a win on the road. Uh, and uh, you, you can't, you can't win them all pretty, right? And, and this is a conference win, so you got to take them how you can get them. Well, let's talk this uh, about this a little bit more with Leo Rodriguez, who's been writing articles for us at TwoNightsMedia.com on men's basketball. Leo, 30 points. UCF needed all of that, uh, especially after uh, Darius Johnson left the game with an ankle injury. Yeah, so how are you guys? How are you, Adam? How are you, Mike? Doing good. We're man. well, man. We are hanging in there. Yeah, no, we got I, the wardrobe question. Is, is, is the Giants blue under? Is this is this the Giants? It might be, Trace. It uh, might be. Thanks for joining us, Leo. We'll talk to you next week, buddy. Well, because we went through that whole Gator thing uh, with you yeah, last yeah. week. Yeah, I wasn't sure what blue was under there. But anyway, what do you think? Uh, they, they get the road win. It wasn't always pretty, uh, but two and one now in league play. So I thought it was uh, much of what Adam said. Um, it's always good to grind out those road wins. Uh, conference play is conference play. They're going to be tough. They're going to be tough uh, games to win. So, yeah, even though you saw some struggles – from our team uh, offensively, um, our defense was there uh, as always. Um, 
holding our uh, them to 35% field goal. So that's always good to see. But uh, CJ Kelly, man, just being that fifth-year senior that, you know, we uh, we want to have on our team. We want to have uh, experience on our team. So I thought that that was great to see. And uh, there's just things to work on here and there with uh, execution on offense and closing out games. But overall, I thought that um, they got the job done on the road. So. Well, you know, obviously the story of the season so far, Taylor Hendricks, uh, he's been the freshman of the week a bunch of times, but last couple of games, he's been a little bit off. Do you get the sense at all that he's hitting kind of that freshman wall where, you know, I'll, you know, the season's getting a little bit longer, a little bit more than he played in high school. Do you get any sense at all? He's kind of hitting that, that wall right now. Yes, I do. I do. I really do uh, think that the minutes might be affecting him a little bit more. Um, and a lot of that is, is due to his talent. I mean, coach Dawkins is, you know, counting on his talent to, you know, um, carry the team on, on both ends of the floor. Um, obviously he's not the only one that's talented on the team, but you know, he's our most, uh, our highest recruited, you know, player. So, uh, having Taylor, you know, having that weight on him, I think also, uh, deals with, uh, with the, with the fact that he needs to, you know, kind of get it together, you know, uh, maybe, uh, you know, get some more practice shots in at, at, on, and it, it, they'll, they'll start falling for him. They'll start falling for him in the games, but um, just, you know, have a nice gym session to himself, and I think he'll get back on the road. This team was put together in the offseason with guys that haven't really played together much. What's the biggest surprise to you so far coming off to this hot start? Uh, man, uh, I think it has to be the, the defensive communication is unreal. Like to have nine transfers come in and have, you know, Kelly, Horton, um, all on the same page defensively. Like when you play zone defense, uh, that is massive communication. Like you need to know where your players are at at all times because it, it's easy buckets when you play zone defense. Obviously, man to man is a little bit easier you know you have instructions but um i think that the defense that they've been playing is amazing for for the amount of transfers we got knights welcome in smu sunday at two late second half smu's at houston ucf lost just by six over the weekend at then number three houston now number two houston 71 40 cougars over the smu mustangs so uh knights have an opportunity here Sunday against uh, SMU, then Wednesday, really important uh, against Memphis. Uh, you know, Mike, Leo sent in a mailbag question uh, this That's week, all. and I said, instead of instead of throwing it into the mailbag, why don't we just have him ask, uh, ask it live? So, Mike, I know you're a big Giants fan. I, you know, I hear the podcast uh, every now and then. You know, every now and then. Every, every, yeah. Every, <laughs> me too. Every, it's now fine. Me too. every now and then when he mentions the Giants. Ah, there you go. So, I know every time we make the playoffs, we even have nice runs. I mean, obviously, 2016 didn't go as well, but I think we got a shot at the Super Bowl. I know a lot of people might not think that, but I think we're dark horses. And I, I was going to say if we could count on you to throw a nice Super Bowl party. The Giants typically don't tease you. If they, if they win a game in the playoffs, they make runs. Never lost a championship game, 5-0, and 4-1 oh, and one in the Super Bowl. So that's pretty good. They got to get past that first one. I think we got a good matchup with the Vikings. If we can win that one, you never know. Things start taking off. If we go to the Super Bowl, yeah, I'll throw a party. You coming down? You're not from down here, right? You got to make the drive. I'm down. I actually have family down in Fort Lauderdale, so. All right, perfect. Yeah, I'll definitely have a big party. Let's go. Let's go. So the party is planned. Now the Giants just have to do their part. (laughs) All right, Leo. Writing articles at twonightsmedia.com and doing some YouTube content for us as well. I will see you out at the arena on Sunday. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks, I appreciate you. you. Also at Two Nights Media, my buddy John Weiss writing great preview articles. Uh, They're good primers uh, uh, before the game, Uh, good breakdowns of the team. So be sure to catch John's articles on twonightsmedia.com. Around the kingdom, women's basketball, they lost their first league game at SMU, uh, 61-50 they led at the half, and then a 23-12 run by SMU in the third quarter. Knights uh, dropped their first league game, 0-1, 9-4 overall, Saturday against Tulsa at 1 o'clock, and then they're at Houston on Tuesday. Women's tennis preseason rankings from the ITA, they are 23rd, and well, this welcome home theme of this show continues with baseball, 
welcoming back former UCF baseball pitcher Michael Roth. He's the new pitching coach. He replaces Nick Gotti, who has moved on. So. This feels like a big deal, Trace. Uh, Mike Maroth has a really good reputation, particularly in the Braves minor league system of uh, of being a really effective pitching coach. A lot of folks on social media were saying he directly has a lot to do with their their recent World Series run. So this feels like a big deal for for UCF to get Mike to come home. I think he would have been a name that at some point probably would have been on a major league staff. So it feels like a big deal. Maybe a a HCIW situation. I don't know. Mm. Oh, boy. That's that sort of coded hot seat talk. Uh, language uh, right there. That's like, all right, we have to be your offensive coordinator. (laughs) We, uh, we stole a uh, mailbag question there. So Leo could, uh, could ask it. Mike's got the party plan. What else we got there? Uh, We got no other video mailbag questions. We can go right to uh, our favorite time. My favorite part of the entire show, a guy battles that time again. Let's open the Brian W. Peterson sons of UCF mailbag. Since Brian's not here to defend himself, Trace, I figured I'd, I'd cut you off in his on his honor. Well, you may have missed it, but uh, JP and I agreed about something earlier on Twitter, and I've invited him to send in a, an open for the mailbag segment. Give a little run to, to Brian there. Well, I, you know what? I will happily rotate mailbag segments if anybody wants to send in a video. I can make you laugh more than the Brian Dickerson video does. Um, Mike, we, we got a lot of questions in here about this uh Coaching hire Darren Hinshaw. Let's start with Captivage One. Have UCF fans become elitist? When did a name become so important in hiring? Hinshaw is being thrown under the bus by some, mostly because he's not a splashy name. Were, were there really splashy names that fans really knew that were really coming here? Is all this Scott Frost talk was all nonsense? Um, I don't know if it was nonsense. I think it nonsense. was a possibility, but no. not really, not very likely. Like, Gus would have been dumb to bring him in, let's be honest. But um, the fans are going to be fans, man. Fans just want names. That's what they do. Any offseason in any sport, the fans want to trade for the best players in the league, and they don't want to give up anybody. Or they want, you know, they always want to sign the biggest free agents. They want to get the the big name coaches because that's all they really know. And like I said on Twitter the other day, most of them are morons. So I, I don't really go by what the fans think. Uh, that's at uh, 46 after. It's when Mike insults the people watching <laughs> the show adam uh at danny penny c uh says uh, a series of questions yeah how is okay, this I'm, the I'm best ready. hire how yeah. extensive was this search why mm-hmm. was he not the hire over chip Lindsay? yep uh, you want to yeah, give him the benefit of the doubt here um do you think budget restraints limiting the options a little bit i mean What's I'll take your- these in any order I can. It looks like from a budget standpoint, Addison Williams got a, a healthy raise. Uh, Darren Hinshaw's contract is more than Chip Lindsay made. So it would appear the money might not be the issue. But again, I don't know how much, you know, was on the table here. Uh, what's the next one? If uh, Why did he go to UAB? Why Chip Lindsay? Gus said it in his press conference. He always hires from his coaching tree. This is the first time that he went outside of his tree. I think last year. Chip Lindsay in his coaching tree. He needed an op- uh, somebody to hire. Chip was that guy. So I think this is his first time going outside the coaching tree. Um, extensive was the search. I think we all heard some names that were out there. So your earlier question, Trace, how realistic was Scott Frost? I don't think there was realism there. I do think there were conversations, but I don't think that was ever going to net itself in anything. I think there were other names that are thrown out there that people went and quickly Googled and said, hey, this guy's got all these yards. This guy's got all these stats. And that looks great on paper. And some of those would be really great hires. I'll just remind everybody, five years ago we all sat around at UCF and watched as Nebraska hired Scott Frost everyone said this is a can't miss hire and here we are five years later debating whether or not he can be our offensive coordinator you don't know we <laughs> never really know job. and he didn't even get that job right <laughs> you don't even really know um, I think we should give Darren the benefit of the doubt do I have pause that I don't know how much he's called plays I don't have a feel for the rhythm he's going to call that he may not have the right you know individuals in positions to make that all take place yes I do but I think while he may not be the best hire he might just be the right hire. Mm. Uh, Mike, at uh, two letters, two words, Robert, what grade would you give Gus in the hiring of Henshaw? And does OC stand for Occupy's Chair? <laughs> As uh, Henshaw will will uh, maybe let Gus actually be involved in play calling. I'm skeptical of this, that he's going to be calling something Gus is already not on the same page with him about. Yeah, I can't give him a grade. The guy has been on the job one day. I can't give him any grades until I see the results. This is like the day after the NFL draft and everybody's giving out grades for the teams. Oh, they, they had an A draft. 
and then the guys turn out to be a bust. I don't know. Henshaw could be great, or he may be just a uh, figurehead. Who the heck knows? Yet to be seen. Trey, I don't know if this is sourced or if this was just him talking, but if you hear what Tyson said, talking about the offense, he said, it may be a little different. It may be Darren's verbiage, but we're not going to do a whole bunch of different things. If it's Darren's verbiage, that would indicate to me it's a whole new system, right? A whole new offense, which would indicate that he is allowed to make some changes. I don't know if Tyson just said that word just because or if that's actual knowledge, but if there's going to be verbiage changes, that tells me that, that Darren's going to get a chance to install something from his own system. Uh, Adam, Matt, Rejoice Knights, great. The new coaching hires. Let's look at it a little bit differently. Did they need to go more experienced in their first year in the Big 12, or are they given two guys opportunity uh, with some growing pains? You heard Tyson say uh, maybe get their nose bloodied as they make this transition now uh, into the Big 12, maybe throw some guys into the deep end of the pool here. Well, first, I'll say I love the Ernie Sims linebacker hire. I think that's a really nice hire. But at the coordinator positions, I mean, it's not like these guys are this is the first year they're coaching football, but there's a lot of responsibility on their shoulders. Would I have loved to have some experience, some more higher level experience? I know Addison Williams was a defensive coordinator thing for like 22 minutes at Furman. And obviously we don't know if Darren ever called any play. So would I have loved some more experience? Yes. But how much head coaching experience did Frost have when he came to us? How much head coaching experience did Hypel have? Sometimes you get that opportunity, you just figure it out. My, I'm going to trust that there's something there and that these two guys can figure it out. Mike at Sublime Knight, what's your favorite offensive philosophy? You've been watching UCF football for many years now. Is it the Kruzek version, Gus's, Frost, Heupel, Taff back in the day? I personally like the, the pro-style offense. You know, I, I think that gets the guys ready for the NFL better. I think the offensive linemen are more prepared when they go to the NFL. I like a balanced attack. I like quarterbacks under center. It drives me nuts when you're in the shotgun from the one-yard line. I've always hated that, except when you do the wild Bowser, because that seems to work every time. But I just... To me, growing up watching football, I always like pro-style offense. What's your least favorite of these offensive philosophies? Ooh, you know, I've never been a, one of these, you know, high pace, high uh, tempo, just throw the ball down the field a hundred times, like the uh, the hypo thing. I never really liked it. I, I get that it puts points on the board. People get excited about the offense, but it's never been my style. i am always been a defensive guy. Adam at Blue and Gold Dude saying, let's talk about the offensive line heading into the Big 12. Enough depth there? No. Concern, right? Concern no. now. You talked a little bit about it, well, a lot yeah. about it on your show earlier in the week. Uh, Matt Lee kind of came out of the blue, and he was sniffing around uh, Norman, Oklahoma today. Maybe he knows a guy or two there. Um, that, that to me is a loss. But, you know, Mike, you said on the show, how good were they? Uh, and maybe you need some new faces there anyway. Yeah, I mean, look, if these, if these guys were the greatest players in college football, we wouldn't be 9-5, and five, right? We, we would have a lot better records. It's not like Shaquem Griffin's leaving the team. Uh, guys like that, I, I'd feel a lot worse. Adam? Yeah, we need large human beings. Uh, I mean, that we, you can't have a, a too many large human beings walking around playing on that line of scrimmage thing. So the more of those we have, the better. The more with experience, even better, the better. At the JC Morning, uh Doom and gloom, JC morning. Mikey gone. Tommy may be hitting the portal. JRP remains at quarterback. JRP playing baseball. Timmy at quarterback. No, well, he said at the time he said it in OOC. Where does this leave us at quarterback moving into the Big 12? And is the quarterback room acceptable? If you had to say right now, one more name comes in via the portal, yes or no? I checked with somebody today who would know such things, and I was told that there hasn't really been any overtures for any portal quarterbacks. I don't know if that'll change over the next couple of days, but at this point I was told there hasn't really been a whole lot of productive dialogue about bringing somebody else in. Take that for what it's worth to everybody out there. Um, if it's me, I think if we can find one more person that fits the system, and maybe Darren Hinshaw comes in and says, hey, I want to do this. Hey, this guy here I think can help us. I mean, he said it himself. Every year you bring in guys for competition. I would be totally fine with us bringing in the right person for the right fit for the right system if that person's out there right now. Mike at by C.A. Simmons, our buddy Christian. What about Dylan Risk and his rise to QB1? He comes in late, though, right? He's not an early yeah. enroll late. Yeah, Gibbons doesn't let you out early. Um, I've seen the guy play in person one time. It was the state championship game last year against Ryan Schneider's Coco team. I don't want to bash the kid or anything, but I think he threw three interceptions that day. I was not that impressed. You know, the kid that I liked was the kid from Coco, Davin Widner, that was here for about a week, and then he ended up at Ole Miss. 
Um, to me, in that one game, he was the better quarterback. But, I mean, there's been another season since then, and maybe risk fits Gus, uh, Gus's system or Hinshaw's system. I, I don't know. But I, I wouldn't expect him to play next year. Brian W. Peterson, JRP missing spring ball. Though it's he's not said he's missing spring football. We just haven't been told how it's going to be worked out. I imagine we may learn that during our – uh, media day availability with Greg Lovelady, how they're going to be splitting time there. Thoughts on Timmy or Tommy stealing QB1 and then maybe using JRP in the Wild Bowser role uh, next year? Yeah, I mean, JRP is not big enough to be Wild Bowser, right? But I th- look, I think it's a distinct possibility that another quarterback in that room could win that job simply because they're around more, they're able to. Uh, to maybe you know develop more, they're able to dedicate more time, and that's not a knock on John Rice Palmer. If you want to play baseball, that's fine. Play baseball. Just understand it's going to come with a risk, right? And maybe not a Dylan risk, but an actual risk of you yeah. losing out on reps, losing out on opportunities. And I think that's that, that's the Tommy thing. I know JC touched on it in his question around uh, uh, Tommy leaving. For those who aren't aware, there was a social media scrub where everything from UCF went off his social media pages, and there was a 22-hour freak out on is he leaving or not. And I guess we still don't have clarity on that. But what I would like to see is Timmy, Tommy, go in there and just battle it out. You know, new new system, new 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 offensive coordinator, new new quarterback coach. Go in there and just let it rip. Battle it out. Be the best quarterback and win the job. I hope they get that opportunity. I hope that's what Darren Hinshaw is going to bring is that open competition. And if one of these two kids can, can, can win it, it should be theirs. Uh, we're still waiting for the Big 12 schedule to be announced. At Spurs United asking, Mike, how many conference losses do you foresee in the first year, got to see what that makeup is, but we believe it's going to be four home, five away. And you heard Tom, our first guest, say uh, 31 point game per, per points per game average puts you eighth in that Big 12. So you imagine you need more offense, right? Uh, uh, what do you think? Uh, can they can they keep it decent in Big 12 play? Yeah, we still don't even know which opponents we're playing, which games are at home, which are on the road, are we playing in cold weather? All that stuff factors in, but you got to figure. Four, maybe five losses, four, and and you're five and four or four and five in conference. I think maybe that's probably the, the range we're looking at. And then Adam at Golden Knight underscore the second. Again, we don't have that conference schedule. UCF, first losing season since 2016, possibly. Certainly possible. Right? I mean, anything's possible. I think using Mike's math, which I agree with, right? I think we're in that seven and five, six and six range, but I don't think we, I don't think we, we drop below 500. Got to give Gus three, four losses right off the bat, don't you? That uh, two doctors, dad. And another one there about Matt Lee. Uh, everybody's replaceable, uh, but uh, that, that one stings to me of all these portal losses so far. Yeah, I had this epiphany when I was talking to Mike on the podcast. Like when this initially hit, I was really like surprised and shocked. I told Mike the joke. Somebody texted me or tweeted at me that uh, they were surprised Lee went in the portal. And I thought it was Quan Lee. I was like, oh, wow. Okay, well, hardly knew you. <laughs> that uh, would I, not surprise I, anybody. Not, yeah, I was not expecting it to be Matt Lee. That one hurt a little bit. And I kind of thought to myself, hey, like, why do why would I expect that Matt Lee would stay forever? Right. All these kids are getting all these opportunities. Um, but I'll kind of take a little bit of the, the Mac louder milk, go kick rocks perspective. And I try to take the high road with these things, but I think this one to your point, Trace hurts a little bit. Um, if you don't want to be here, then don't be here. I'm, and I'll, I'll use my favorite Pat Riley quote. Um, sometimes it's better to get rid of smiling faces with hidden agendas. And if guys are looking around elsewhere for other opportunities, maybe it's best they move on to that and take that opportunity. We wish them well, and we got to try to rebuild. At uh, Grahalis, Debbie, Mike, uh, who do you think makes it into the NFL? Drafted or unrestricted free agent? Alex Ward, I think, <laughs> ends up. Combine. He got a there. combine invite, Trace, which is a big yeah. deal. He got a combine invite. Okay, yeah. so there's one. I mean, there's not going to be many guys drafted. Maybe Bowser gets an undrafted contract. Possible. But that's been the problem here the last couple of years, right? We, we went a few years where we were getting four or five guys drafted for eight, three, four years in a row. Now the last couple of years, the talent has kind of dropped off, and so have the wins. At Nightmare Shea, now we move into some basketball questions, finally. Uh, best uh, best men's basketball team we've had on the court in a long time. What do you think about the tournament, Adam? And do you think Hendricks sticks around one more season? I think he wants to have an opportunity to play with his brother, and we've been talking about maybe that freshman wall a little bit. And go where? The competition is going to be tremendous in the Big 12, right? That'll prepare him. Yeah, I think you can you can start looking a little bit towards the tournament. I think there's a lot of road ahead. We've been three conference games. We have to kind of give me halfway through the schedule, and I think we'll have a better understanding. Uh, and again, on the pod this week, Mike and I talked about Taylor Hendricks. It'll be an interesting decision. I don't know 
what the I don't have the NBA G League contract salaries in front of me. I don't know what that looks like, but he's projected right now to be a late first round, early second round pick. That's probably G League territory for a team. So what would you rather do? Go play a year in the G League. You stay at UCF. Maybe some of these NIL monies uh, materialize for you. You get something. You get to play with your brother a year of Big 12 competition, improve your draft draft status. So I think it'll be a 50-50 chance. But if he hits the wall like he's hit, I I think he's going to continue to slide at that point. You know, what's the better decision to make? Probably hanging out with your brother for a year. UCF welcomes SMU Sunday. SMU trailing at Houston. Five minutes left, 81-45. So they're getting killed. And remember, UCF lost 71-65 at Houston on Saturday. Mario Mario actually has a big point. That that doesn't mean he's going to come back to UCF. So I guess you got to keep that as an option. He may come back in college basketball. That doesn't mean he'll be in Orlando. Yeah. At Stat Boy Drew, if you could pick one basketball player, Mike. Uh, Taylor Hendricks or Jermaine Taylor? Jermaine Taylor, come on. Full body of work there. Yeah, I mean, uh, Hendricks has only played, what, 15 games. It's, Taylor is a UCF legend. You know who I like? And he, I know I'm very biased because he's been on the show a couple times. Dexter Lyons. Lyons. Dexter Lyons could do it all, man. Defensive shutdown player, and he can score. And he got the afro, the marketability with that guy, the personality. That's my favorite player. At Patrick Nurse, FTW. Women's basketball questions. We turn now to our women's basketball expert. And I'll take this one for you, Mike, because uh, time is short, and I know you could go on for five to ten minutes about this. Thoughts so far on Coach Messer's first season with a transfer-laden roster. Nine and three in non-conference play. They dropped that first one at SMU. That's going to be a work in progress, and uh, I think they still have tough uh, tough sledding there when they face the team from Tampa and I had opportunity with my buddy of mine uh, calls radio broadcast Tulane. So I actually saw Tulane women's basketball with him when I was there a couple weeks ago. And uh, uh, they're pretty good. And they'll be here uh, in early January. So uh, I, I think they still have a tough road ahead of them. She's got to establish her program. Mike, we'll go into more women's basketball uh, next week for you. At Eric Lopez, ELO. Uh, biggest storyline uh, question for men's basketball, baseball, softball in 2023. Adam, uh, I'll give you men's basketball. What's, what's at this point now, what do you think the biggest storyline is? Consistency. Can we stay consistent uh, night in and night out and count on some key guys? It seems like we have the CJ uh, Kelly, please bail us out offense. Taylor Hendricks maybe makes a key shot, but can we get consistency out of DJ, out of Ithiel Horton? Uh, Michael Durst quietly turned into our really productive big man when he leaves the floor and Lahat Shun comes in. It's a whole bunch of clown car disaster. So, can, can we stay consistent with uh, with what we have? Mike, baseball, what's your biggest storyline? Is this make it or break it for Glove, Greg Lovelady? This is the year. He's got to get to a regional. Maybe even, I mean, God forbid, win one. <laughs> That's never happened. But get to one, at least. Have a winning season. Play well in the conference tournament and have a good year. And then you can come back for the Big 12. Certainly Plumley is something to watch as well. That'll be a storyline that call, carries over into spring. And then uh, softball, uh, how do they follow up the great success they had in 2022? And, and they've lost their top two pitchers. So who steps into the circle there for UCF uh, softball? Those are some storylines to watch. And then at Zeebles UCF, vibe check. How would you describe the current mood of the general UCF fan base? You know, I've been thinking about this question uh, because I think when you follow them on social media and you're in the message boards, you see this hyperactive portion of the fan base. I mean, there was a meltdown there for a while about Darren Hinshaw. And then, you know, he sort of won the press conference, uh, uh, you know, Wednesday. So what do you think the mood is? What's your pulse uh, of the fan base right now? I would say anxious, Trace, because I think there's so much upcoming that we want to kind of see how it plays out. Um, and I think that anxiety can obviously play negative and positive. I think you talk about the negative side there. I think anxious. I think people just want to see and know what's going to happen so we can begin to sort of set our compass in the Big 12 direction. I think frustrated. It's been, the, what, five years now since we won a conference championship in the American. We couldn't pull it off the last few years. We get to the championship game this year. We lose. This was supposed to be our year to, to, to take down one last crown. I think the, the fans are a little frustrated, especially with the way the season ended the last four weeks. And we were set up for everything going into that Navy game. Didn't play well against Navy. Didn't play great against the Cows. Didn't play well in the championship game. Didn't play well in the bowl game. Um, going into the offseason, it leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. 
I think that the release of the Big 12 schedule put a little wind in the sails. You'll know, Mike, how you can plan your tailgating in uh, Iowa State and uh, Lubbock, Texas, for example. And and then maybe, you know, does UCF play Dylan Gabriel, possibly Matt Lee in Norman, or do they welcome the Sooners uh, to UCF? I think that'll give us something to chew on when that schedule finally comes out. So uh, it's been an interesting couple of days with the uh, the announcement of Darren Hinshaw and some of the coaching moves. Uh, so we've had a lot to chew on here during this hour of the Sons of UCF. Uh, you guys, you broke it down. I, I love the breakdown, by the way, uh, of the season. I couldn't believe, I mean, I knew the number, but when you were talking about how many touchdowns Isaiah Bowser scored on the season, I, it's, it was a lot more than I thought it was in my head. 16, yeah. Yeah. He was unstoppable at the goal line. Nobody could stop him. Uh, basically, every time we got down there, he scored a touchdown. And where did we end up on the tight end number? With the over one, right? The over one, I think we hit 30 uh, and 27.5 uh, was the uh, the Sunnies break. How'd you like the Sunnies breakdown, Trace? What we voted for preseason versus what ended up uh, coming to reality. I'm never going to do what Mike does with regularity and call the fans idiots, but we don't know anything. We don't know anything. Right? We're so far off in the predictions and the votes on these things. It's uh, You ought to post these. You ought to do that poll during spring camp. And then see it again in fall camp and see how different uh, – uh, what, what star do we latch on to, that rising star? Who do we believe? All the Quan Lee love <laughs> that came out. All the Terrence Lewis love. Terrence Lewis got a lot of love uh, and didn't, didn't play a snap for UCF this year. By the way, me calling the fans morons, everybody loved that tweet. I got like 120 oh, likes on great. it. All those people will probably think I'm not talking about them. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> Of course not. All right, you guys, follow along on social media, Sons of UCF. Go to twonightsmedia.com, catch Leo's articles and John's preview articles. Be working with Leo Sunday at the basketball game. We'll have some more YouTube content up for you uh, and uh, more football to chew on next week. Uh, you guys teased a big guest, perhaps, uh, coming up on the pod this coming week. Back to interview season, right? Yeah, interview season is here. Yeah, we got somebody lined up. I think it'll be interesting conversation. So uh, check those podcast feeds you know, uh, Tuesday morning-ish uh, for a uh, surprise. Don't be an idiot. Subscribe to the Sons of UCF. Well, All right, I want to thank Tom. Moron, Trace. It's a moron. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to thank uh, Tom and uh, Tyson and Leo for joining us. Uh, for Adam and Mike, I'm Trace Trolko. Go Knights! Char John says our friend. My name is Destiny Thomas, and thanks for watching the Sons of UCF. Destiny Tom. Sports Social Podcast Network.